Mark 6, 45 through 56. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come into this place recognizing that out in the world there is wind and there is waves and there is chaos. And at times in life we make headway painfully for it feels like the wind is against us. And sometimes when we want to go to one destination, God, the wind picks up and and blows us someplace else. But Lord, in all of this, we trust you. Lord, we love you. We come into this place because we believe that your word Lord, has has truth for us. We believe that you are the one that has the words of eternal life. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to your people today, that you would speak to us today, and that you would lead us to where you desire for us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just see you, but that we would recognize you, that we wouldn't just see a miracle, but that we would get a bigger vision of, of you today, Lord. God, speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Soften our hearts to receive what you desire us to receive today. Lord, teach us from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Oswald Chambers once wrote, seeing is never believing. We interpret what we see in light of what we believe. Faith is confidence in God before you see God emerging. Therefore, the nature of faith is that it must be tried. What we see in this passage today is often what we experience in life. That is, what should be plain to us about God is often hidden and shrouded by conflicting beliefs and expectations. See, the disciples expected that when Messiah arrived, he would solve all their problems. They didn't foresee that following Jesus might bring about difficulty in their lives. For us, when our faith is tried, many choose to cast their faith aside because it doesn't fit with their expectation that faith should make life easier. Many of us came to faith in Jesus believing that now if I believe in God, if I follow God, he will make my life easier. We cling to that passage in Proverbs that we trust in God, we lean not on our own understanding, and he will make our path straight. 
And we think, oh, straight path, that's the easy path. But sometimes the straight path has got some rocks in it. And sometimes the straight path has got some wind coming against it. It doesn't promise to make our lives easy. He promises to make our paths straight. And so here we see Jesus making the disciples get into the boat and hurrying them out onto the water where there is a storm brewing. And realistically, if you're following Jesus then you have probably experienced or will experience difficulty in your life that you wouldn't otherwise have experienced if you weren't following Jesus. Conflicts of conscience, conviction of sin, temptations, persecution. There are difficulties in life that we will experience because we're following Jesus. But the trials of faith that we encounter are not evidence of God's absence. Rather, they are the context where we see God. They are the context where God manifests his presence to us if we have eyes to see it. Now, our passage begins in familiar form. The disciples are on a boat, on the sea, And in a storm. And this calls us back to what previously happened in Mark chapter 4. But this time, Jesus isn't on the boat with them. He's not in the stern, asleep on a cushion. Right? He is up on a mountain, watching in prayer. You see, after Jesus had miraculously fed the 5,000 with five loaves and, and two fish, he actually hurries. He makes them get on the boat, the word says. He hurries them on the boat and shoves them off into the sea so that he can stay behind and dismiss the crowd. And then he goes up to a mountain to pray. And we're told that when evening came, begins to get dark, night has fallen, that Jesus saw them. He saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. Now, this is a different storm than what they had encountered in chapter 4. They're not fearing for their lives, right? They're not terrified at the wind and the waves, fearing that they are going to die, but they're struggling, they're, they're struggling at the oars. They're fighting against the wind. They're getting blown off course, and we're told that they're in the middle of the sea. So it's dark, They're in the middle of the sea. The Sea of Galilee is eight miles across. We don't know what mountain Jesus is on, but they are in the dark at least four miles away, and we're told that Jesus saw them. Now imagine being up in the hills over Carpinteria and looking out on the water. Those oil rigs are about four to five miles away, but the boat that these disciples are on are not that big. Right, Whether Jesus saw them with the naked eye or with supernatural sight, we are told that he sees them. And you need to know today that whatever you're encountering in life, whatever difficulty you're experiencing, whatever struggle you're enduring, you need to know that God sees you in the struggle. That God sees you in your struggle, in the midst of trials and tribulations, in the midst of, of whatever is going on in life, God sees you. 
And this concept of God seeing you can be used by some as a guilt trip or it can be used as grace. I remember when I wasn't a believer in high school and the believers in school would remind me that Adam, Jesus is watching you. He sees your wicked ways. He's going to come someday and lay the smack down on you. God's watching. You better shape up. But that's not the heart of God. That's not the heart of Jesus. He's not watching you, waiting for you to make a mistake so he can smack you with a lightning bolt. He's like a loving parent, swooning over a newborn child, watching them sleep in love with his son, with his daughter. It's grace that God sees us. I remember this concept of God seeing me it hit me in a, in a, in a really powerful way uh, not, too, not too long ago. Um, I've been in ministry for about 13 years. There's been all kinds of various seasons of difficulty and joy and all kinds of things to celebrate and mourn and grieve and, and all of these things. But there was one season that it was a particularly good season. And I woke up after having a dream. Now, most of my dreams are awful. Uh, God does not speak to me often in dreams. Most of the time, it's the enemy attacking me in my dreams because I'm asleep and unconscious and vulnerable. And so the enemy, anyway, that's another story, another illustration. But I had a dream one night and I was standing on a cliff surrounded by water and there's waves breaking everywhere, tumultuous sea. And, And there was a word spoken to me in that dream to fight for camaraderie with a particular group of people. And I woke up from that dream just feeling this sense that this was, this was from God. But I was confused because, like, I like these people. There's no, like, we have camaraderie. What is there to, to, to fight for here? And it was, I tried to make application. It was confusing. I couldn't do it. And so I kind of forgot about the dream. About a year and a half later, I was in a really difficult season involving some of those people feeling completely disconnected from this. And I had forgotten about the dream. And so one day I, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go to, we were staying with some, some family up in Santa Maria. I said, I'm going to go to Montaña de Oro in San Luis Obispo. This is beautiful. And I hadn't been there in a while. And so I go there and I'm sitting on a bench on a, a, a rocky cliff overlooking the water, praying about this situation. And God said, look up. And I looked up and I saw my dream on a point Surrounded by water, waves crashing to the right and the left, tumultuous sea. And God said, a year and a half ago, when you didn't know what was going to come in life, I saw you then, I saw you now. Stop freaking out. Take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. And this whole concept of God seeing me, this concept of God seeing you, take heart, church. Whatever you're experiencing, God sees you. He saw you in it long ago. It doesn't catch him off guard. Take heart. God sees you. He sees you because he loves you. There's a beautiful passage in Exodus 2, the very end of Exodus 2, chapter 20, or verse 25, when the Israelites cried out to God because of their slavery. They're in slavery in Egypt. They cry out to God. And verse two, or chapter 225 says, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God sees you and God knows you. And so in Exodus, he sends Moses to deliver the people from Egypt. And here, as the disciples strain against the wind, Jesus saw them and he will come to them. 
God doesn't just see them. He doesn't just see you, but he sees the struggle. He is aware that at times in your life, you are making headway painfully for the wind of the world is against you. He sees you and he sees your struggle. It doesn't say that he saw them, that they were getting blown off course with a bunch of weak losers. It says that he saw that the wind was against them. He saw their fight. And when you struggle, when you fail, when you sin, God sees you but isn't focused on the failure. He's aware of the struggle, of the wind, of the world, and the enemy that is against you. He doesn't shame us for our failure. He sees us in the fight. He sympathizes with us in the fight. He sees us, and that means we're not alone. In the struggle, we are not alone if God sees us. Though we may feel alone, Sometimes, if I'm honest, I believe all of my theology comes into play and I know that God is, is, is omniscient, he's all-knowing, he sees everything, and sometimes I feel so alone. But we're not alone. Though God may feel distant, he sees us and he comes to us even in the darkest night. Remember, I said that Jesus saw them when evening came and he came to them in the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. He let them struggle all night long in the dark against the wind and the waves. And when the evening was darkest, when the night was darkest before the dawn, that is when Jesus came to them. He let them fight at the oars. And when they were exhausted, he comes to them walking on the water, trampling on underfoot the very thing that was bringing them difficulty. And so whether from a mountain four miles away or from the heavens, God sees you. And it may feel like you're in the fourth watch of the night, You may be in the same struggle that you were in last year or two years ago or whatever it is, and you may feel like you are running empty of endurance. Do not lose heart. God sees you, and he will come to you. It might be the fourth watch of the night, but he will come to you. He'll not give you an ounce more than you can handle. He is not delayed. He is not slow like Gandalf. God is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to. And that is a really difficult concept for us to receive when we're struggling. But he comes to his people. And the text says that he meant to pass by. So, wait. Jesus, you let them struggle all night, and now are you ignoring them? Are you going to pass by, but then they saw you, so you had to say something? What's going on here? Not only did Jesus delay until the fourth watch, but now he, it, it appears in our text that he's not even going to help them. He wants to, he wants to pass by. This is actually an incredibly important phrase in this story and in Mark's gospel. I want to read a few Old Testament passages that are going to help give us some context for this. Listen to Job 9. Verse 8 and 11. God alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. Behold, he passes by me. Or how about Exodus 34, 5 through 6. The Lord descended on the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. 
One more, 1 Kings 19, 11. God told Elijah to go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And if you remember that story, there was wind and there was fire and there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He was in the still, small voice. And he communicates to Elijah. He speaks to him and reveals himself to him through this small voice. And so this phrase in the original language that this text was written in is somewhat of a technical term for God manifesting himself to someone. So what did Jesus intend to do? Jesus is not intending to ignore them. He's not trying to pass by them and kind of leave them to fight all night, but shucks, they saw him, and so now he has to say something. No, by coming to them, walking on the water, he intended to pass by them as God had allowed his glory, his manifest presence, to pass by so many Old Testament saints before. He is coming to show them who he is. He is coming to reveal something about himself. He is coming to manifest himself to the disciples. He wants to reveal his glory. And often in our struggles, those are the contexts where God wants to manifest himself to us, that God manifests himself to us in the struggle. It says that he saw them, he came to them, and he reveals something about himself to them, but they didn't recognize him. He passes by, they see him, but they don't recognize him. They think he's a ghost. Literally a a phantasma. They believe that he is a phantom. And again, they're on the boat in a storm, just like previously, and now they're terrified. But it's not the wind and the waves. They're terrified at the presence of this thing that they don't recognize walking on the sea. And so in that first instance on the boat, they leave that situation asking, what kind of man is this? And this situation on the boat should have answered that question, that he is the living God. That he is the one manifesting his glory to them and they don't understand. They don't get it. They don't recognize who it is that is with them because they're terrified. And so Jesus says to them, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And again, we can't miss what's happening here. Jesus is standing on the water doing something that only God can do. And he says the words, it is I which in Greek is ego eimi, and in the, the which, which just means I am, which to those of you who have been reading your Bibles, that phrase, I am, means something. The Hebrew word for I am is Yahweh, the, 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 the personal name of, of God, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. When God reveals his name to Moses, he says, ego eimi, I am. And so Jesus is on the water, walking on the waves. They're terrified. They see him. And he says, take heart. I am. Don't be afraid. Because Jesus is who he is, because he is the one true God, when you are encountering suffering, when you are encountering difficulty, the reason you can take heart is because he is. He is who he says he is. He is who the scriptures say he is. He is the one true God. It doesn't get much clearer than this. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And when he steps into the boat, the storm stops. Completely ceases. And they don't understand. They don't get it. 
They didn't understand what Jesus had revealed about himself when he fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish, that he was a picture of a new Moses feeding the people in a wilderness place with miraculous bread. They didn't understand what he was revealing about himself through every other miracle, through every other thing he said in the gospel. They saw it all. They were amazed by it all, but their hearts were hard and they did not understand. They were seeing but never perceiving, hearing but never understanding, surrounded by miracles and standing in the midst of God himself, but they still didn't recognize him because their eyes are on the circumstances and they're expecting God to arrive in a way that is different than what they're encountering. They expected God to arrive and not come with violent storms that blew them off course and made life difficult. They were expecting God to come and give them the easy life, to give them the good life. And so they let their circumstances cloud the manifest presence of God. Church, if we don't take our eyes off of our circumstances and put them on the God who manifests himself through our circumstances, then we are never going to understand. We are going to encounter him time and time again, and our encounters of God will only serve to harden our hearts if we do not receive him and pursue understanding and accept who he is and what he is doing, regardless of our hardships and struggles. We've got to stop trying to define Jesus by our circumstances. And recognize that he is the one that walks atop our circumstances. He doesn't always eliminate our trials, but he enters into them and he redeems us through our trials. And sometimes it gets darker before the dawn. You might be encountering difficulty in life. We're all encountering difficulty in life as a people. And we don't know what watch of the night this is. First, second, third, fourth, we have no idea. It may get darker, but church, take heart. Jesus is with us. We don't have to be afraid. He will come to us, but will we see him? And when we see him, will we recognize him? Will we recognize God's presence among us if we saw it? or our hearts just continuing to grow harder and harder? Have we forgotten the work of God in our lives? Have we left it in the past? Not remembering it, not not celebrating his work in our lives, but forgetting it and, and burying it. Have we already forgotten his abundance, his grace, his mercy, his salvation, his provision, the ways that you have experienced God in the past? Do you remember Or are we putting it away? See, not even a miracle will will, will soften a heart that has been hardened by forgetting God's past faithfulness. If If we experience God in our lives and we continue to harden our hearts against him, then even if we were to see a miracle, we'd explain it away. We don't need miracles. We need a bigger vision of the manifest presence of God in Jesus. Without faith in who Jesus is, even if he were here walking on water right in front of us, we wouldn't understand. 
We'd explain it away. We're too often students of the world rather than students of grace and students of the word of God. We often give culture and our circumstances such a loud voice that we're unable to hear the still small voice of God when he passes by, when he speaks to us in his word and our hearts end up being hardened towards God and hardened towards one another and hardened towards the church and hardened towards the world and we experience him and we, we leave it in the past and we, we forget his mercies and we harden ourselves and we ask for a miracle. We ask for God to reveal himself to us, but even if he did, we wouldn't understand because our hearts have been hard. Charles Spurgeon said of this passage, hard hearts and painful unbeliefs spring up in the waste places where we bury our forgotten mercies. See, we're never expected to believe perfectly. Church, you're never expected to absolutely perfectly believe in every situation. But we are expected to look back on God's past faithfulness so that we can grow in faith for the future. We are expected to remember what he's done and receive those things with joy so that when we encounter difficulty in the future, we will know God has brought us this far If he's brought me through all of this, he can bring me through whatever I encounter. We are expected to grow in faith for the future. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't don't harden your hearts. Recognize that he is with you in the midst of the wind and the waves. Because those who recognize Jesus don't just see him but recognize him, come to him for healing. As those who recognize him at Gennesaret, when the boat lands on shore, they recognize him, and so they run to him in their difficulty, in their sickness, in their illness. They reach out and they touch the fringe of his garments, and they receive their deliverance because they recognize something about him. And so God delivers them through their struggle. They recognized him and they ran to him and they spread the news everywhere. And as many as touched his garments were healed and the disciples were on the boat, but their hearts were hard. The people on the shore, they didn't see the miracle. They didn't see Jesus walking on water. They didn't see the storm cease when he stepped foot on the boat, but they believed in what he was capable of. They weren't privy to all that he was. They didn't know his full and complete identity, but they ran to him and they were healed. See, we need to recognize that that just because we're on the boat, so to speak, just because we're in the church, doesn't mean that, that our, our faith, well, I'm, I'm here, I believe, my faith is perfect. Many of us today are, are here at church. You know it's a good thing to do. But as you step in the doors, is your heart moving away from Jesus? Or maybe you're here today and you wouldn't identify as a Christian, but you recognize something about Jesus that's intriguing. You recognize something about Jesus that, that he can, that he, there, there's, there's, there's hope, there's promise, there's something there. And so you might not identify. Maybe you're like the people at Gennesaret who didn't see the miracles, but you recognize something and so you're coming to him. If you come to him and put your faith in him, He can deliver you from the most extreme and desperate situations, including death. But if we come here because we're checking a box, and all the while our hearts are moving far from God, 
our hearts are being hardened. This is something that all of us need to hear. And I don't want to pick on the young adults in the room, Westmont students, but many of you are leaving home for the first time. You're stepping out in faith and you're encountering God on your own. You're, you're, you're leaving home and the faith and the family that you grew up with, but make sure at the same time you're not leaving Jesus. Make sure that as you leave home and you get to experience God in a unique way in your life, in this season, in your life, know and believe that he sees you, that he made you, that he knows you, that he loves you, that he pursues you with love and with grace. And as you experience this newfound freedom, make sure that you don't use your freedom to turn your back on the one who will, 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 will save you through whatever you encounter. You are entering a beautiful and important season. And I have so much hope for you that if you continue to follow Jesus, don't just trust because you're at a Christian university that that, that experience is going to be easy on you. But let's follow Jesus together and you will see God in the midst of whatever he brings into your life. And for all of us, as we encounter new seasons, as we leave one chapter of our story and into the new chapter of our story, as we leave a difficult season and enter a good season, let's make sure that we don't forget his mercies. Let's make sure that we don't forget his grace. Now that that chapter is over, I don't have to deal with it anymore. Let's not forget what he's done. Behind us are monuments of his faithfulness. Let's not bury them under worldly desires and pursuits and forget that God has been with us all along. God will deliver us through the struggle. And so the people at Gennesaret, they run to him, they spread the news, they, they come to him, they touch his garments, and they receive their healing. See, Jesus doesn't just see us in the struggle. He enters into our struggle. He enters into our suffering. He enters into the brokenness of humanity. He suffered just as we do, yet without sin. And unlike the disciples, he was not delivered. See, the disciples were delivered by the work of God, but he experienced the full weight of suffering on the cross as the disciples abandoned him and fled from him. He was abandoned by those who swore they would die with him. And as he goes into his greatest moment of need, he was alone. And he died. And he was swallowed up by the grave, but death would not hold him. Three days later, he rises from the grave and conquered humanity's greatest enemy when he was raised from the dead. Though all will die, all will taste death, Jesus went into that death ahead of us and redeemed us through it when he raised from the grave. And though this took place 2,000 years ago, might as well be in the middle of the sea in the darkest night for us. Apart from the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, we can't see 2,000 years ago, but the Spirit has, has illuminated what he has done for us through his scriptures, and he has, has illuminated it to 
to our hearts as we read the word of God. And so from a distance, a great distance of 2,000 years ago, because of what he has done, we can see him. We can see what he has done. The cross and the resurrection manifests his glory to us regardless of our circumstances in our lives. The disciples would eventually see this. They would eventually understand and they would believe what previously was unbelievable to them. God, that God would come not to slay their enemies and make life easy, but he would come to die for the sins of the world and call us to follow him. And following him might bring great difficulty in this life, but he has overcome the world. And so we walk in that victory. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. The reason we can, we can take heart is because we have the same victory over the, 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 the evils in the world that Jesus has when he, when he lived the perfect sinful life or uh, sinless life and died the death in our place. And he has given us victory so we can take heart. We can walk in that victory. I want to conclude with this. Throughout the history of the church, there's been an interpretation of this passage that this is a a picture of the disciples on the boat are a a picture of the church, right? And and the church is the boat in the middle of the sea and outside the church, the the world is in chaos and, 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 and we make headway painfully because the winds are against us. The enemy is against us. But Jesus sees his people. He sees the church and he will come to us in the darkest hour and manifest himself to us. So in fact, so powerful was this this understanding in the text that when the church began building their massive cathedrals, they named the main part of the church where the congregation sat the nave. If you go into a cathedral and you see the part where the congregation would worship, that's the part of the cathedral. It's called the nave. And that word nave comes from the same word where we get the word navy. It comes from a Latin word meaning ship. And so they understood the church to be on the boat in in the middle of, of the storm. They understood the church was navigating troubled seas in the world. And so Reality Carpinteria, we are navigating troubled waters. As a church, you have endured seasons of straining at the oars. You have made headway painfully, for the wind has been against you. You've experienced all sorts of hardship through COVID and transition and, 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 and things that you've encountered personally. But Jesus is with his church. Jesus has never left his church. And if you trust him today, your life might not get any easier. It might not get any easier for us as a congregation. But we will be saved through it. God will manifest himself to us in the struggle. He will deliver us through the struggle. He will not remove us from the struggle necessarily, but he will save us through the struggle. And though the world may be against us, the kingdom of God is, we've been talking about this, is invading the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness does not stand idly by. But Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. And so church, brother or sister, grab an oar. Start 
rowing. We are in this together, knowing that even in this season, though this may be the first watch, the second watch, the fourth watch, the fifth, there's no fifth watch, uh, whatever watch of the night this is, when we don't feel like we can possibly go any further, when we don't feel like we have any strength left, when we don't feel like we can wait anymore or take another row, whatever it is, when we, when we, when we are spent, God does not give us any more than we can handle. And he will come to us. When we feel as though we've been blown off course, we can have confidence that Jesus is coming again. We don't just worship a Messiah who came and died and raised from the dead and said, wasn't that cool? See you guys later. He is coming again. And when he does, he will be trampling on the very thing that causes us fear. And he will raise his church to new life. And we will celebrate eternity with him in a paradise. No more wind, no more waves, no more enemy, no more death. You can clap. That's fine. Guys, we are here to respond to Jesus together. You respond however you feel fit. Clap. Amen. It's helpful to me. (laughs) Jesus is coming again. And, And this night that we are enduring, it will not last. We're in a variety of seasons. Some of you are starting new seasons. Some of you feel like you've been in the same season for a long time and you're tired. Either way, God sees you. He knows you. He made you. He has not left you. He will come to you. He will manifest himself to you in the struggle. Look up. See him pass by. Take notice of of him walking on the waves and, and in raising from the dead and know that by faith in him, you too will rise from the grave, trampling on even death itself. We have nothing to fear. Take heart. Jesus says, I am. Don't be afraid. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you see us. Jesus, thank you that you know us, that you made us for a purpose and that we have never been outside of your sight as individuals, as a congregation, Lord, as a church in this city and in the coastlands, Lord, you see us. And God, that brings so much comfort. And though we experience difficulty, though we experience hardship and challenges and all of these things, God, knowing that you are with us brings so much comfort. God, I pray for those in the room who are not just experiencing difficulty, but God, are are afraid of what that difficulty might bring. People awaiting test results, surgeries, phone calls from loved ones. They don't know what news is going to be on the other side. night feels pretty dark for a lot of people. God, I pray that in some some small way, even in this time as we respond to your word, 
God, that you would pass by. Just remind them. You see them. You're with them. You deliver them through the trials. Lord, even if death may come, you deliver us through death. We know that we will rise. God, give us a vision of yourself, vision of your glory. Lord, we want, in our, in our flesh, we want to see miracles, thinking that that will solve all of our problems. But God, we need to see you. May we recognize you in this place today. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus.